0: Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm your host, Strata lawyer, Amanda Farmer. And this week, I'm sharing part two of my two-part conversation with John Trowbridge. Part one of this conversation was published last week, episode number 349. If you haven't yet listened to that episode, I do encourage you to head back, do that before you listen to this part two. Last year, 2022, John was engaged by the Steadfast Group to conduct an independent review of Strata Insurance, concentrating then on the disclosure practices of Strata managers and brokers, as well as the way in which commissions and fees are structured. Now, John is just about finished with the third and final phase of his review, and in these two podcast episodes, last week and today, John is sharing his findings and his recommendations with us. In part one, John spoke about the history of the strata insurance sector and how commissions and broker fees came to be so firmly entrenched in our system. He spoke about the lack of transparency and the potential for conflicts of interest to arise. Today, in this part two of our conversation, John is shedding some more light on the conflict of interest point and explaining how he believes strata managers are failing to properly recognize and manage this conflict. We talk about commissions and how they're not necessarily fair charges for the work that's done on insurance matters by strata managers and how if commissions were cut out of the equation, management fees might be more, but insurance premiums would be less. John suggests some alternate options for remunerating strata managers and brokers for the work they do on insurance matters that would assist to avoid these conflicts and ensure greater transparency, maybe even save owners some money. John speaks about availability and affordability of strata insurance across the country, explaining what it is that's driving the current price increases and how those increases might be better controlled, including through the actions of owners and strata committees themselves. I'll take you right on over now to part two of my chat with John Trowbridge.
1: It's basically a deal done between the broker and the strata manager as to what fees they each get, what share of commission, what, what broker fees. And then once that's all decided, that's when it's presented to the strata committee. And the, the agreement you just referred to, the management agreement, would normally delegate that opportunity to the strata manager to set all that up. And that's where the conflict arises. And why why is it a conflict, you might ask? Well, where there's no intermediary, say when you buy your home insurance and, and you buy it direct from one of the insurers, there'll be no commission and your interest is in the lowest premium that meets all your requirements. When there's a broker in a normal commercial arrangement, then the the broker does receive a commission, but your interest as the buyer is in that commission also being a fair charge for the work that's done by the broker. But in the case of strata insurance, there's a second intermediary in there, and that intermediary is the, the strata manager is wanting payment for something that's arguably beyond the cost of services and the broker agrees to that. And often if the broker doesn't agree, the strata manager will go to a different broker. So the broker agrees and then says, well, I need the extra payment." So the quantum of payments is driving to some extent, these, well, that's the incentive. There's an incentive for higher costs, not lower costs. That's the contract.
0: Yes. And you mentioned earlier, John, the deal is done between the strata manager and the broker. The strata manager, I think the word you said was the strata manager controls the broker appointment. Is it possible for us as owners, as owners' corporations to say to our strata manager, we want you to use a particular broker or we want to have a say in who you use, we want to understand the fees that are passing between each of you and what your business arrangements are can we ask these questions and get these answers
1: yes of course you're the responsible party it's the owner's corporation engaging the strata manager but the strata manager or has an agreement with you which arguably is biased to some extent in their favor and their rationale for that which is quite reasonable for most things Is that they can't be coming running back to the strata committee for every decision they make. They do need a a freedom to do a whole lot of things to help keep your strata building and, and so on, your committee, your owner's corporation in good shape.
0: But I would have thought if they were going to run back and get our confirmation or our decision on any item, this would be one of the most important items. Uh, I know as a lawyer, anywhere where there may be a perceived conflict or the possibility for a conflict to be perceived or to arise, that is precisely the area where we must tread carefully and have the highest level of disclosure and the highest level of transparency. I can see why the criticism arises here when these deals are being done between broker, strata manager without any involvement of the owners' corporation, it's the owners' corporation's money that is being used.
1: And the agreement, the strata management agreement, normally will say that, firstly, that the strata managers do have to disclose any conflicts of interest, but they also it also says that um, insurance premiums, and there are, I think there are some other items as well, they acknowledge that they are a conflict, but they are disclosed and therefore they claim that they can manage them. My argument is that the, there's actually three conflicts of interest involved here. The first one is that there is a commission. Now, commissions have been around for 200 years in general insurance and in life insurance, and they're, a, in my view, they're an integral part of the business. You, would, you could arguably ban them, but I don't think that'd be a smart idea. But and I regard those conflicts as manageable, and partly because disclosure is straightforward, and you can negotiate the commission as well if you're a buyer, uh, you know, if you're running a business and you're buying insurance. But in the case of strata insurance, so in the case of strata insurance, that's fine as well. You can I don't see any reason to ban brokers from receiving commissions. What I'm saying is that when they get those commissions, that should be the only thing they get. They shouldn't get a, another payment and they shouldn't give to the strata manager anything now, if they're getting 20% themselves, that should be the maximum they get. And they, while well, they should be free to give some of that to the strata manager because of the work the strata manager does for the broker, that's fine too. But to then seek an extra broker fee or to give the strata manager a payment out of that commission that's not commensurate with the work done, that's where the conflicts are.
0: Okay, got it. And... At the conclusion of your Phase 2 review, is that your recommendation, that these broker fees be scrapped and we work on this fully disclosed commission, fair commission only, or are you proposing a, a different model?
1: Well, there are there's more than one model that can be used. I'm, what I'm saying is that the, the broker fee commission rebate system should be phased out, which means that if the broker wants to stay with commissions then they don't get a broker fee. Alternatively, they can go to a fee, a fee-only system, and there's quite a bit of that around already. And some of that fee might go to the strata manager. The strata committee could actually, and this happens in some cases too, could actually approve two fees, one to the broker for the broker's Mm. work and one to the strata manager for the strata manager's work. In those cases where there are fees and not commissions, then you will be paying a net premium to the underwriter, not a gross premium.
0: Mm. Look, that sounds a lot cleaner to me.
1: Well, it does. And there are, there's another modest benefit to that too. And uh, and it's most evident in New South Wales because the stamp duty and the ESL, the emergency services levy, those two items are paid on the premium. So if you've got a net premium, it's only 80% of the gross premium, so you've you've actually managed to lock 20% off those uh, government charges as well. And and you'll find- That's an
0: incredibly important point.
1: Yeah, so you'll find that a number of people, OCN and others uh, have been promoting that idea for some time. And some brokers promote it, and strata managers as well.
0: Now, John, you are in the midst of completing what I understand is the third and final phase of your report. Can you tell us what that phase is about?
1: Well, it's essentially about availability and affordability of strata Insurance uh, and it brings competition in as well. The price increases that have occurred in recent years and are still occurring are driven essentially by claims costs, And those claims costs have been very high and, uh, you know, all of the, the weather events of the last two or three years have certainly made that visible to everybody in the community. So it's not surprising that prices are rising, but they're rising a lot faster than inflation. So the question is, what can we do about this? And indeed, how big a problem is it? I see it really in three segments, there's the Northern Australia problem, which is, where the cyclones are and the prices are highest. Then there's all the rest of Australia, where the risk is judged by the underwriters to be sort of average or better. And then the third segment is all those bodies corporate, where the premium has been loaded by the insurer for aspects of the, either of the property itself or of the performance of the owner's corporation that caused the insurer to say, well, I'm not prepared to offer this at standard price. I think I need to load your premium. So you've got these, what I think of the, as these three segments. Now, if I go to the, the first one, which is Northern Australia, there's some special problems up there, of course, uh, and there is very limited cover available. There's, there are only two or three underwriters offering cover and there are a lot of restrictions. I won't go into that because I think your readers will be more interested in the other parts of this or your your listeners. So the, the overall market price rises, uh, we can't do very much about them. Reinsurance costs have risen. Claims costs have been high. But what one of the things that can be done is for Bodies Corporate to agree to higher deductibles, higher excesses, policy excesses. Now, what you I think you'll find for 2023, if up uh, last year and the year before, the typical or the standard excess was $1,000, I think you'll find that most, mostly the standard ins- uh, excess in 2023 will be $2,000. But if you've got a 20 or 30 or 50 lot block, that's a very small amount per lot. But at the moment... Um, while a lot of bodies corporate want to have a low a low excess, if price is an issue, if premium is an issue, there's no particular reason why they shouldn't have higher excesses. So one of the options is to ensure that it's clearer to owners that they can obtain higher excesses and they can make their decision about how much of the claim they want to, you know, what level of claim they're prepared to cover themselves and what level they want the insurance to cover.
0: And I suppose having the transparency, once again, to be able to see on the premium options, if the excess was this much, then this is how much your premium is. And if the excess was that much, this is how much your premium is. I'm pretty sure I see that on my home insurance and car insurance and my professional indemnity insurance, that that message is made quite clear. I can't say I've ever sat in a general meeting and heard an owner ask the question, how much is the excess? The question is always, how much is the premium? And nobody thinks to ask, how much is the excess?
1: That's right. And this is a matter of, um, well, it's all a bit more work, isn't it, for the strata manager Mm. and the broker. And if it's your own insurance, you can go back and just ask the question, right? If it's the body corporate and you've got it all set up, you've got the three quotes and so on, then it's bit of a hassle to say, hang on, we want a five thousand dollar excess, what's the premium? So the the solution to that, of course, is for the underwriters as a matter of course to make that information available on the on the quotes. And that'll be one of the things that I will want to suggest there so that people are more aware and they can understand their own appetite if you like for a higher excess. And there are people who will say no no I don't want to have to worry about that. Others will say, yeah, I'll be quite happy. To pay a smaller premium and take the risk that we might have to pay out a little more in, in claims or in Mm. for incidents that would be claims if there was a, wasn't such a high excess. That's one of the things that can be done. There are a number of other things. I mean, these high broker fees and commissions. You know, if you add them together, when they're 20, 25 percent, I don't think that. Is really an issue, but when they get up to 30, 35, 40%, it's a bit hard to see that as being justifiable across the market.
0: And you're seeing commissions and fees at that level?
1: Yes. Oh yes. That's part of why this whole thing has come about, because it's not just the um, conflicts of interest involved, it's the outcome of those conflicts. Some brokers have gone to strata manager groups, say, well, you're getting 15% commission share, we'll give you 20. Oh, okay, well, that's good, so we'll take you on. And then some of those will, instead of offering a five or 10%, will offer, ask for 15 or 20% broker fee. So the whole thing's escalated up. And that's an illustration in my mind of the way the conflict of interest plays out and why, along with disclosure, you need to, that needs to be phased out, right? So there's another area is the remuneration. And an associated issue there is that with rising premiums and fees or commissions that are proportional to a percentage of premiums, they're going up as well. So the insurers are suffering because they've got to pay a lot of claims, but the brokers and the strata managers are actually getting more fees. Now, some of those fees are, probably needed because there's extra work involved in a hard market and if you've got you know five years ago you probably wouldn't have disputed the or challenged the the premium charge but now when the prices are going up so much the brokers and strata managers find themselves having to work a lot harder to get the minimum premium
0: mm. when I was reading your phase two report recently John I think you had a comment in there about the false economy that is constructed when strata managers base their fees on whether or not they're getting a commission. So they might charge a lower service fee because they know they're going to get this commission and then the service fee is not, as I think you've said, an accurate reflection of what they're actually doing and nor is the commission an accurate reflection of the insurance work that they're doing. Can you speak a little bit to that because it is often the explanation for commissions that managers will say, well, we'll have to charge more to the owners corporation if we're not getting this commission and the owners corporation immediately says, well, I don't wanna be charged more, take your commission. Can you talk about this false economy and, and why that's a problem?
1: Well, it's a problem because it needn't be the case. If you just think about going to fees only versus commissions, if it's all done on a, on a fair cost basis, and you take account of the non-insurance services and the insurance services that the strata manager is offering and that the brokers offering, why should the total charges of the strata manager be any different according to whether the strata manager is being paid indirectly through a share of commissions which will be paid anyway by the um, body corporate versus just charging them directly? What the strata managers don't like about it, having got so accustomed to taking a commission share, what they don't like is they're going to have to go back to their their clients and say, look, we're not getting commissions anymore. Because of that, we will need to charge you more for your levies. What they need to also say is, but your insurance costs will be lower. And, And there's no reason at all why in a rational marketplace there would be any loss or any cost to the strata manager of this i've seen i mean here's an interesting way of uh, of looking at the background the northern australia accc report in 2020 or well, they did three the first one was in 2018 and they called for submissions and they're all on the accc website there are 30 or 40 submissions from strata managers that give you all the terrific work and all the hard work that they have to do to handle the insurances of their clients. And they say therefore, we have to have commission. To me, that's a non sequitur. Does not follow that just because they're doing all this work, they have to be paid a commission. And that's what strata managers who are so accustomed to this find, I think, a little hard to recognize. And I sympathise with them in a, a personal sense because they've inherited this system in many cases from you know, their predecessors. It's just the way you do business. But what Robert Kelly and others are saying is, this doesn't really wash. And they've asked me to have a look and say, well, is there something that could or should be done about this? And I'm saying, yes, there is. Mm.
0: When is your phase three report due?
1: Well, I don't have a date at the moment, but I'm hoping that – I doubt that I'll complete it in February, but I'm hoping that I can get it done during March. But I can give you further information on that in another couple of weeks, I would think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please do. I will make sure that there are links to your website under this episode, which can be found over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. Just find this podcast episode number – 349. And there'll be links where you can read the phase one and phase two reports and phase three to be added. John, if I have listeners reach out to me, as I very often do, saying we'd like to connect with John, we'd like to let him know about our experience in this area, whether it's strata managers or committee members or even brokers, where is the best place for them to go? Would you like to hear from them? And if so, where is the best place
1: for them to go? Yeah, that's fine. Um, the website has a, um, a contact uh, opportunity. So you just put in your name and email address and it'll come through to me.
0: Excellent, and I believe that website is johntrowbridge.com.au and we'll have a link to that one in the show notes. Is there anything else that you're absolutely burning to make sure you spoke to?
1: What I would emphasise is the desirability of individual property owners, lot owners, whether they're on a committee or not, having a look at my disclosure recommendations which are in, they're all, the best place is the, is the set of appendices to the phase two report, and they should ask their strata managers to follow that process. Otherwise, we're waiting, and we it will happen, I think, but we're waiting on the brokers and the strata managers to systematise all this for themselves. But there's no reason why you shouldn't ask those questions and because the big thing that's, oh, actually, there's two things I want to say. Firstly, there's a gap in this whole thing because many strata committees are apathetic or not very competent, no fault of their own. It's just that they don't have the background to deal with these things. And this frustrates strata managers and brokers quite often that they can't get more, more interaction of the right kind with their strata committees. The other thing I didn't mention is that the third category for phase three is the people who've got below standard buildings or below standard management of their body corporate where they don't remediate problems that have been found in the past or they've got high claims experience, there are strata committees that could do a lot more. So the response, when you look at how to deal with affordability and availability, there are certain things the insurers can do there are certain things that the strata managers and brokers can do, but in many cases, there's quite a lot that the body corporates themselves can do. Now, it's not true in all cases, but what happens, The frust- part of the frustration of some strata managers is that they, and of, indeed of the insurers, they say, well, we'll give you another year's cover because you've promised to do this or you've made a plan to do that. A year later... They come along, the plan's not implemented, nothing's done, and then the the owners get really upset because they're being hit with a higher premium.
0: Or they can't get insurance at all is what I'm seeing.
1: That's right. And uh, in some of those cases, it's the fault of the body corporate, not of the broker or strata manager or insurer.
0: And what you're talking about there, John, is is their duty to carry out repair and maintenance work to the common property, which they have been seen to uh, fail to meet that duty. And the insurer has said, go on and do that work within the next 12 months. And when we come back for renewal time, we want to see that it's been done.
1: Yes. But what's now happening, so we've, this has been going on. In the rising market, insurers get more and more selective about the quality of the Client and the client's property. Mm. So for a while, most of them were saying, "Well, if fix it in the next year, and we'll give you insurance now for the next year. Worst case, I will give you six months cover now, and you can fix it, and then we'll have another look at it." But there are quite a few cases apparently of this going on for one, two, three years, nothing's done, and then they want to blame the insurers. (laughs) So you know. There's a limit to how how willing insurers can be to not seeing these things fixed, and as I say, they get more, and the buildings get older. If they're not fixed, the the quality of the property goes down. It's more likely to have claims, and then the disputes over whether it's maintenance or insurance. So,
0: mm, yeah. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much, John, for summarising your findings so far for us and your recommendations. They are incredibly important and I hope that our industry will be receiving them in that way and that we can improve our insurance practices for ultimately the best interests of those who are paying the bill. And that's our our owners and our owners' corporations. They're it at the end of the day, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yes. Okay, well, thank you, Amanda.
0: Pleasure. Thanks, John.
1: Okay, bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property.